ethic. Um, when, when I'm faced with a moral choice, <clears throat> when, I'm, when I'm in a moral dilemma, uh, how do I make a choice? Well, I don't consult the rule book, uh, and I don't, I, I don't consider my group and see what they think is best. I try to emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to um, explain and I, I chose a text uh, that I thought was uh, a good summary of that, um, of that sentence. It's in Colossians chapter 1, the verses 9, 10, and 11. Um, and we looked at it last week, and I broke it up into four parts for you. And we're going to take part two tonight. Um, I'll read you the text again. It's in Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Um, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father." That's just one. I'm sure we could have chosen uh, others, but it's one among many that I think is a fair summary of this sentence. Emulating Christ in the power of the Spirit. Actually, it's not a sentence. That's a clause. Um, But uh, that, I'm saying, is a summary of the Christian ethic. I'm trying to emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit. And the the text that I think is is a fair summary of that is this one. I broke it up into four parts. Uh, we looked last week at this, uh, at the thing that we called uh, the four parts was the right mind. Ooh, look at there. The right mind was, was the thing that we looked at last week. Um, the, the, the second one is what we're going to look at tonight is, is the right walk. Um, the fourth, uh, the third one is fruit bearing that we'll look at maybe, Lord willing, next week. And then all of that done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are the four component parts of that, of that passage, I think. I think is a, is a fairly good summary. And so this is the thing that I think should characterize us as people who, who, who claim to be related to this Jesus. That there is, a, there is an insistence upon thinking right. And I remember we drew that little iceberg thing and I said this is the water line and I said this is the belief system down here and... And the behavior is up here, but the behavior is, is really formulated. It's really the outgrowth of a belief system that lies underneath the waterline. How I think is how I end up living. And so we talked about the necessity of the right. That was all last week. Tonight we're going to talk about this. Um, out of that right mind comes a right walk. Out of, this, out of having developed this thing, a, a, a biblical belief system, I begin to live uh, differently and in accord with that. At least that's, that's the design of the New Testament, it seems to me. Now, guys, uh, the, 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 kind of the first thing that I'd like for you to take a look at, it, again, is back to Colossians 1. And notice what he says. Um, Fill with all knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom, and so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, gang, that's not the only place that Paul says something like that. He says it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Um, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. 
He says it in Philippians 1. He says it in Philippians 1.27. He says it in Ephesians 4.1. And he says it in Colossians chapter 1. He is urging those churches, the people of those churches, to walk in a manner that's worthy of this gospel that they had received. Now, gang, this is not rocket science. I mean, but really, just for the, the briefest moment, pause to think. The implication is clearly that there is a necessity, it is incumbent upon the individual believer to live in a certain way. Um, not just any old way you want, but there is a, there is a lifestyle that is worthy of this Lord that we say that we belong to. And then there is obviously one that isn't. Um, now guys, I, I know that's maybe insulting your intelligence, but gang, um, if you're an, an antinomian, you're, you're convinced that you can live any old way you like. No, you can't. There is a life that is that is consistent, and then there's a life that's inconsistent. And you can't um, explain it away with some kind of umbrella called grace. It's an abuse of grace to do so, folks. There is a lifestyle that is worthy, and then there is one that is not worthy. And, and interestingly, uh, of course, it's just three different letters, but you find it in the Philippian letter, the Ephesian letter, the Colossians letter, that his constant appeal to people like us is, now listen up, y'all. We, we've all uh, find ourselves now attached to this new Savior. Okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. Are you ready? Let's go live a life that's worthy of that. Now, gang, you can call that legalism if you like. <laughs> but it is Pauline legalism. It's, a, it's a, an appeal. It is, a, it is an insistence that there is a lifestyle that is appropriate for the Christian. And then there's one that's it, that isn't. Now, um, I, I did just want to read you one. You don't need to turn to this. It's just a one sentence out of Psalm 5 where, where the psalmist says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. <laughs> Isn't that simple? You're not a God that delights in wickedness. Hmm. You think that's changed since Psalm 5? No, it hasn't changed, guys. Uh, the same is true today. There is a, 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 a lifestyle. And by the way, the New Testament uses the term walk a lot. Walk like this. Walk like that. Don't walk like this. And the, the whole idea is that the walk is, is referencing or is pointing to this lifestyle. So there's a lifestyle that is worthy and there's one that's not. Now, um, what does that walk that is worthy look like? Well, gang, there's, there's several places in the New Testament that we could go. The one that I've chosen is Ephesians chapter 4. So if you'll go over there and we'll, we're going to kind of walk through very briefly um, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, actually uh, 4 and 5, but um, 
gang, this is the the this section. Do you remember? I, I've I've told you this before that the Pauline strategy in writing an epistle, when he writes one of these letters, he always starts with doctrinal truths. Remember that? I've said that a dozen times. I've told you that in the book of Romans, he spends eleven chapters. 11 chapters talking about justification by faith and sanctification and all these marvelously rich and deeply profound truths. And then he comes to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, based on the mercies of God, based on everything that I've just said to you in the first 11 chapters, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's always the Pauline method. He starts with theological um, richness and then he says, I'm basing my appeal... um, on that theological explanation of who you are in Christ. So knowing this, knowing the indicatives of who I am, out of that flows some imperatives, some commands. He does the same thing in the book of Ephesians. But he only spends three chapters explaining all the, the rich theological truths in, in Ephesians. He spends three chapters. He comes to chapter 4, and he says... I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy. So again, he's doing the same thing. He's just basing his appeal on these explanation of these rich theological truths. All right? Now, so from four on to the end of the book, he is going to describe for you this, this thing that he's called you to. A worthy walk. I appeal to you to walk in a manner that's consistent with, worthy of the gospel that you said you believe, this Christ that you said you belong to. Now, let me tell you what that's going to look like. Um, just kind of a uh, introductory statement. Look at uh, 22, 4.22. I'm urging you to walk in this, this manner, and that's going to mean, verse 22, that you're going to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life uh, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Guys, I mean, I appeal to you to, to, to walk in a certain way. So that means there's certain things that are going to have to go. There's certain things that are going to have to stop. And then there's, there's certain things that are going to have to be put off. You leave those behind. And then there's certain things that are going to be put on. Now, so this worthy walk, this this right walk that is worthy, first of all, it's characterized by there's some old stuff that's got to go and there's some new stuff that's got to come. And then, in verse 25, he begins to get very specific. Therefore, having put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, so the first thing he says is, all right, I'm appealing to you, and I'm telling you, you can think of it like this, he says. Think of it like this, that you're going to put off an old man, and you're going to take on a new man. Now, that new man's going to look like this. First of all, you're going to speak the truth. That's one of the characteristics of this, this new kind of lifestyle that we're, that we're going to walk now, that we belong to Jesus. We're going to speak the truth. Um, well, he even mentions being angry in verse 26. Um, he says in verse 29, Oh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. 
but only such as is good for building. What is that? Oh, that's just a characteristic of the worthy walk that he's called us to. Um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and, uh, and, and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away. What is that? Oh, that's just more examples of what this, what he has in mind when he comes to this worthy walk business. You want some details of what a life of grace looks like? They're there. And notice, it's full of rules. Gang, you, you know, I, I, I spent weeks telling you how I abominate anything legal. This is legal. But I abominate anything that's legalism, that's man-made. Saying, well, you know, that if you're, if you're, if this worthy walk means, I, I'm going to do this again to you. I'm sorry, but it certainly does wake people up. The worthy walk means you'll never, ever again drink a glass of wine. Is that in anybody's text? No, it's not. But now there are some other things in here that are huge. Huge. Gang, um, does any of this sound like I can live any old way I want to? As the antinomian would have me to believe? That I'm free from all restraints and I can, grace means I can live, you know, precisely as I want to. It, it doesn't mean that, ladies and gentlemen. At the, but at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that I have to live according to rules that you made up either. But these are different. These are the Apostle Paul saying, if, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then there's a lifestyle that's going to flow out of that. And it's going to have some of these characteristics. And there's, there's just plenty of them. I mean, there's just all kinds of rules. And, and guys, listen to this. <laughs> rules are not inconsistent with grace. And, and anybody that in the name of grace wants to um, divorce you from any kind of moral fabric, a fabric that's, de that's described in the Scriptures... I mean, then, then they've, then they've never read the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, okay, chapters one, two, and three, you belong to Jesus because of this great redemptive work that he's done before the foundations of the earth. Okay, you're all his, you're safe. Now, I want you to walk in a manner, and by the way, here's some, here's some details. Here's some specifics. Mm, here they go. And, and there's several of them, guys. And, and, and I'm gonna jump ahead and I'm gonna, come back. But uh, I also want you to know, before he finishes this, he says in verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. All I'm saying there is rules are not consistent, inconsistent with grace, nor are rules inconsistent with the spirit filled life. People who are filled with the spirit obey mandates, or at least we seek to, that are, that are outlined for us by the scriptures. 
So, guys, um, I mean, all of you who were sitting here and I was damning all that legalism stuff, and you're thinking, my goodness, does the man have no absolute, um, I mean, is there, is there nothing that he would prohibit? Of course there is. All kinds of things. But not because I prohibit them. But the Scriptures do. The Scriptures says that the Christian life has fiber in it. Moral fiber, which which in which is descriptive of a worthy a walk, and 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 insisting upon certain rules does not make you a legalist. <laughs> Adding rules does, but insisting on these um, makes you a person that's in touch with grace. Um, I, I, I want to show you, a, a, I, I don't want you to miss this, this part of the whole thing. Um, in these new man passages, and, and Ephesians 4 is one, uh, Colossians 3 is another. But in these new, these new man passages, there's a lot in there. Uh, for instance, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. My point is, guys, um, um, the rules oftentimes, as you find them described by the Apostle Paul, are very <coughs> reminiscent of something we've heard before that's found in the Old Testament. I mean, where else are we told, don't steal well, that would be in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments says the same thing. That is, I'm not supposed to steal. But the, the point I want to make, guys, is I want you to notice that this lifestyle that Paul is describing goes way beyond the Ten Commandments. Gang, what, what I'm saying is the lifestyle that is insisted upon by the New Testament is not less than the lifestyle that's described in the Old Testament. It's far more. The lifestyle described in the New Testament is not less full of moral instruction. It's more full. Uh, it doesn't say let the thief steal, uh, let the thief no longer steal. It doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, ah, but also rather let him labor doing. And, and guys, that's what you find in, as the as the as Paul is developing this thing called a what I'm calling a right walk. So much of it is rooted in the Old Testament ethic, yes, but it out. Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments. I am not simply to stop stealing. According to this, I'm supposed to get a job and, 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 and make enough doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with others in need. It, it goes beyond the Ten Commandments, guys. Um, insisting upon 
Obedience to these rules do not make you a legalist. That's what I'm trying to point out, guys. You know, um, I often think that that if Jesus Christ were to show up tomorrow and walk the streets of Germantown, some people would call him a legalist because he's insisting on a lifestyle. Um, be, having a, a, a grace-based ministry doesn't mean that we are ethically mushy, that we are morally permissive. You know, um, um, a name that must remain unnamed. Um, I heard him say it. I heard him say it on a tape. Um, uh, was talking about people like me. <laughs> and he was describing um, people like me. It was a very, it was a very un, um, inappropriate comment. Now, of course, being one of numerous inappropriate comments, I, 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 uh, I'm very, um, I cut him a lot of slack. But here's how he summarized me or at least people in my theological position. You know who they are, and this is not an exact quote, <clears throat> but if I have to get it for you, I'll go get it for you. Um, they're wine drinkers and cheese eaters. That's the way that I was typified. As somebody who wants to, you know, oh, you know what they, they just, they're wine drinkers and cheese eaters. <clears throat> well, I, I, you know, I guess that's uh, that's the reputation or the possible misunderstanding that comes when you're trying to describe grace, grace in all of its beauty. But guys, don't ever draw the conclusion that if you are a proponent of grace then what you're doing is giving people a license to live any old way they want. No, that's not what the New Testament does. And this guy is the very describer of a life of grace. He's the one that, that tells you what it looks like. And he says, well, it starts with, you know, some right thinking. And then out of that right thinking comes this walk that is worthy of, um, of, uh, of, the, of the Christ we say we belong to. Now, let me give you some details of that. So, so for someone to insist that certain things have to go and certain things have to be added, that's not legalism, ladies and gentlemen. That's grace. That's grace. Now, um, the other thing that is found in, um, in the Colossian passage, oh, <laughs> I would love to spend more time, but we, we probably shouldn't. I, I think I've made my point. But um, you, you'll notice in 5.2, and he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us. And then in, in verse 8, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you were light in the Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found. Gang, all I'm saying is, do you, do you think that that um, is, is describing the possibility of you living any old way you want to live? It's not as the antinomian would tell me. So we're trying to avoid both of those extremes. And the, and the, 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 the third option, or the, 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 the New Testament's option, is to appeal to the people of God to walk worthy. 
And then it gives us some instructions, some specifics as to what that looks like. That's grace, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's what grace happens. That's what, that's what grace, people of grace do. Do they enjoy their freedoms? Sure they do. Because they refuse to let somebody, some church committee, define their ethics for them. But they understand that the New Testament has issued some, some instructions that to fail to heed is just a violation of grace. Now, back to the, the, the Colossians passage. And, and, um, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, um, you know, guys, it doesn't take much genius. It's, I walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Oh, my goodness, look at that. That's fully pleasing to him. How about that? I walk in a manner that's worthy and it pleases him. But not only does it please him, one of the results of that right mind, right walk, is that we begin to bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Guys, um, I'm not going to do this uh, to you. I'm not going to spend, um, I've only got eight minutes left, so I'm not going to spend um, much time, but simply to point out that there is an insistence in this passage and throughout the New Testament that the evidence that I am thinking right and walking right is that fruit is being born. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that is a that is a heavy piece of evaluating material. By that I mean this. The evidence that I've got this is that this is going on. Fruit is being born. I mean, so if 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 there is no fruit bearing that is being produced by whatever life I'm living, then, then that ain't happening because that ain't happening. Guys, um, you know, um, I, 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 I know this might insult your intelligence, but this is a statement on the part of the Lord Jesus. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And listen to this. And so prove to be my disciples. Now, gang, how can you, how can you miss that? This, the, Jesus says, you know what glorifies my Father? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what glorifies my Father. Well, the thing that really glorifies my Father... Is that you, that we, that we bear much fruit. Man, the Father is glorified by that. That's great. The Father really delights in the fact that his people bear much fruit for it. But the last clause says, and besides that, not only is my Father glorified by the fact that you bear a whole lot of fruit, but the bearing of that fruit, I'll read it from the text. It's, this is John 15, 8. And the bearing, and so 
proof, proof, to be my disciples. You know what this is. It's just proof. It's just, it certainly glorifies the Father, but it just proves who we are. And so, I mean, what kind of fruit? I mean, I guess you could ask. I mean, that's, there's all kinds of things that you can find in the New Testament, but I'll tell you some specifics. They're right there in that, back in that Ephesians 4 passage. All those, those things that characterize the right, what will, that, 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 that is useful. It glorifies the Father and it proves, it, it proves that I am who I, who I claim to be. Um, guys, um, I'll, I'm, I'm going to stop there because, uh, I don't want to bleed into my last point, but, very simply, this is a life of grace, a life of grace, which means that I, I, I let the, the scriptures instruct how I think in response to the, 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 the instructions of the scriptures. I begin to walk that way. I begin to live that way. There's a lifestyle that's one that's good and the one that's not. And the result of that is God is glorified and I prove um, that, that, that I really belong to him by the, the fruit that's being born. So one of the critical analytical factors that, that we all have to ask of ourselves is where is there a bit of fruit being born by the life that I'm walking, thinking and saying that I'm walking this life? In the name of, for the sake of, and for the glory of this Savior that I call mine. If I, if I grasp grace, it changes how I live. And things begin to show up that, that glorify the Father and prove to me and to everybody around me that I, I really do belong to Him. What is there that is different about you having come to Christ? What is it, what is it that is different about you that can only be explained by the fact that I now belong to Jesus Christ? What can you point to? Hmm? Think about that on your way home tonight. Our Father, um, we are uh, lovers of your word, and we thank you that uh, there, there is um, a good deal of instruction for us as people that claim to know you, and uh, as such, O oh God, might you indeed be glorified by the way that we bear fruit for your glory. And in, uh, in the process of so doing, it's just one more evidence it's indeed proof that we are yours and you are ours. Lord, um, we, we, um, 
We do long to live that way, but we also long to be useful to you in broadcasting to others that there is something other than a, a legalistic format or a, 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 a lifestyle of no boundaries, but something that in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit is, is certainly beautiful. Thank you for outlining it for us in your word. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.